Welcome to Media Life with me, Matt Rudd. And me, Nick Swift. A 13-episode podcast series where we have a fireside chat with a guest on their life in media, from where it all began, their career journey, and where they're currently at. We discuss the highs and lows along the way, and perhaps a few funny stories, not to mention the odd junket or two. Where did Fago come from? Well, he came from East Burwood, and he lived around the corner from... Well, you haven't always been... I thought you were Bayside through a No, no, no. And that's where I actually, funnily enough, ran across Peckish, because he had a hot dog van down at the Burvale. Of course he did. In West Moorabbin. No, 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 no. The Burvale on the corner of Springvale Road and Burwood Highway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The cop's pub. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh no, that's the Mountain Spew. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah next one. Yeah. Next one now. But I, I did work experience at USP Needham, which is later became DDB Needham, and yeah. there was a gentleman, gentleman by the name of Paul Leeds, who's the yeah. media director, and it was through our connection with basketball and and the like that. He offered the opportunity. I was doing graphics at school, and I thought I well, wasn't great at drawing, but you know, it might lead to you know something in in creative. Which because um, you went to Wesley, and that's a big I creative did. school. It is music, yes. art, yeah. and drama. Yeah. Absolutely, none of which I partook in. I was in sports, but uh, did you look good in purple? Though you were I good did, in purple. I did. You know, think witches and swingers. That's who wears purple. <laughs> Well, LA Lakers, but oh, yeah, by the waitress as hell. Yeah, true. So I did work experience, and of course, you know, in the eighties they were full service agencies. So you had creative, you had account service, and you had media departments. And you know, across the week I was able to, you know, have a, I guess, or spend some time in each of those divisions. And where I ended up. Um, and enjoying the most was was the media department, and <laughs> I worked with a woman called Jenny Lebroy. Oh, at the time. yes, and uh, she um, famous, yes, very famous. Jenny Jenny was fantastic. She took me under her wing, and she got me checking confirmations and and doing pre times as you did back in the day that you would check what the media buyer had booked, and this was all using H two pencils that you check. What was booked? So, and I still remember today. It was Heinz baked beans was one of her clients, and we were able to go through and, and check the, the pre times from the TV networks that had been telex through. Was Sue Clark not invented at this stage? No, no. I actually she <laughs> she did work for Harold at some point in time. Not Harold for 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 Mitchell for Deddy B or USP back in the day. So she and so so Jenny got me ticking away. She nicked off, <laughs> went and watched a movie. But you would have used highlighters that. as well. Yeah, highlighters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. And what I was able to do was go home that that night, and then at six seventeen during the news, you know, look at the TV and on Channel Seven there was a Heinz baked beans. I thought, shit, this is this is not bad. Like you know, I I can see why they booked it, and there it is. It was I did that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, it, how old would you be? I was sixteen time? then. Oh, so sixteen. Yeah, I, I was year ten. 
and oh, so this was still work experience. This, this was work experience. Ah, so that that got me fascinated about the advertising industry, and mm. I subsequently, yeah, during the year eleven and twelve, probably worked towards not not a career in architecture or you know using your graphics. It was it was probably more, and I headed up ended up going to RMIT, doing that advertising yep. course. Yeah, that famed same, same. Ad, yeah, advertising course. Um, Neil Staghol was there. Yes, yeah. I, I, I went for a day, and the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah but, and you learned everything you needed to. Well, buy. I did actually. Well, <laughs> the, the irony was that when I finished school, I applied for RMIT and subsequently got in with my HSC results, which were kind of average, but you know mm-hmm. that was all right. You're amongst friends here. <laughs> and I then applied for jobs, media assistant jobs, yeah. pretty much from November through the November 88. And I got an interview with a, a company called Merchant and Partners down here in Melbourne. And I was interviewed by a media group head by the name of John Petropolis. Went in for an interview. Merchants was in Melbourne as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought that was yeah. really sick. Yeah. So I, I had the interview with John, who is an up and coming media star back in the day and of course they took forever to reply and the one thing I learned was you never try and call anyone in media on a Friday afternoon because they just don't return your call so anyway there was no job pending before Christmas it meant I got to go to schoolies which up on the Gold Coast which was a bit of fun came back and started at, at RMIT in early March of 89 and literally the day that I, I started, I got home and mum said, you've had a phone call from Anne-Marie Frost at, oh. at um, DDB. Um, they followed Another up. Another famous on, lady. Yeah, they followed up on your application and they'd like you to go in and have an interview. So I did that on the Tuesday. That only took them three months. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so literally... Interviewed Tuesday afternoon after another successful day at RMIT. By Wednesday, I had the job. By oh. Friday, I was changing my full-time status at RMIT to part-time. And uh, the likes of Rowan Robertson and Mick Perry and a few others that are still in the industry today yeah. were pretty shitty on me because you know I'd gone from full-time student to full-time, full-time you know, work. employee, full-time work in the space of weeks. So... I got to work with some pretty, pretty interesting people from Doug Pierce to Paul Blatchford. Adrian so who's Kai. to blame, Fago? That's our segment. Who's to blame? Who's Who hired you? Anne Marie, John Petropolis, Bob Baddock. Bob Baddock. Yes, he's to blame. He is to blame. <laughs> he is to blame. Uh, but Bob, Bob was brilliant, and up until his sudden passing a couple of years mm. ago, was my mentor. You know, and. Everything, a lot of what my principles and values you know, in business today was shaped on working very closely with him over, well, the better part of 20 plus years, you know, across DDB and Mitchell's days up until I sort of went out by myself. And yeah, even today, I still think, what would Bob do? What would he say? Yeah, often quote some of his notable quotables, you know, which would... 
that'll top a star. <laughs> <laughs> Everything ha happens for a reason, and and, mm. and it does. So mm. I'd say Bob is to blame, with followed by a very close second for Marie Frost and Paul Leeds. Yeah, that they, they were very influential in in my career uh, in the early days, and then I guess working with people like Judy Fiddler, who she started at USP Needham. So I worked directly for her as a media assistant and she was the, the senior buyer for Cadbury Schweppes. And we worked out my first day at, at DDB that she started with the company the, the day that I was born. So 15th of February, 1971. So she had 19 years experience. She'd been there a while. Yeah, actually, it was eighteen. I just turned eighteen. So, yeah. yeah so, and that was that was pretty pretty cool because, again, you, I sat in her office. She smoked Sterling twenty fives, and smoke. yeah, yeah, the silver packet. And yeah. she goes through a pack a day, and she had this big butcher's paper or grid paper, and and they had the old avails lists that would come in from the, the, the TV networks. And daily? No, avails. Yeah, no, but they, well, they would come in daily? Or daily, yeah, daily, yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes twice daily, you know, mm. because, you know, clearly supply and demand would, would change, but the reps you would see daily or sometimes twice daily, yeah, and they'd be front and centre, you know, David Hoyle, Michael yeah. Harms, Chris Williams, yeah. Craig Lytle from Channel 10. So you'd, you'd see all these reps just go through the office, catch up with all the media buyers, you know, talk the usual shit, you know. And these these were the days when a Saturday Disney spot would tap at 25. Mm. You know, and Stop it, they go, I'm drooling. Yeah, a, 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 a country practice... You know, it was the number one TV show in in Melbourne or in the country? You know, and it'd rate you know, a dirty or something or other. So yeah, they were they were fun days, and you worked on some really good clients. And being part of a, a full service advertising agency was pretty much an eye opener as well. So yeah, if if the newspaper ads weren't ready in time to be dispatched you'd be put on a plane to take the bromide. bromide. Yeah. And the young young staff, the young you know, bucks would be booked on a plane and we'd be cab charge in hand, two cab, or three cab and charges in hand. Yes, yeah, and, and put on a, a late flight. One would go to Sydney, one would go to Brisbane, the other one would you know, get the, the... And who was paying for this? They charge it back to the client? Yes, of course, yeah, back in the day. So... You'd have to go to Perth, West Australia, you know, or you to you know, deliver it to the you know, the WA papers over there. It was all before electronics, so everything was hand delivered or couriered. So, yeah, that that was that was a bit of fun. We had a few interstate trips there, you know, particularly when it's too late for couriers to to come and you know you actually and of course you'd arrive to... you'd arrive in Perth and. Deliver the bromide and then just go have a light snack and go straight to bed. Well, mm. yeah, there were a few funny nightclubs over there. <laughs> I actually had a mate who lived there. He went to uni over there, so I would put my hand up for those trips. Mm. I did two or three, I think. And, and the per diems for food and stuff. 
oh, not big. You know what I mean? Yeah. My starting salary was 15500 per annum. Which so. was a lot of money in those days. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, what's inflation today? So. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I was living at home. But yeah, so I guess they were the, the fun days. You know. Who was there? Bob, Blanche? Yep. Kelly Clemenger came in for a while towards yeah, the wow. end of the... The, the days or end of my stay there, Mark McCraith, Mark Code, they, they were part of the yeah. next generation of of employees at, at DDB. And that, that was that was probably the time where Bob and Blatchy moved to to Mitchell's. Yeah. Candice Cole, I think. Was that DDB? Yeah, Candice, yeah, yeah, right. she started working with us as a junior. She was, her maiden name was Candice Nupper. Candy Nupper. Candy Nupper. And, and she worked with McCraith and, and Code for, for a number of years. And then I I got lured by the money to work at News Limited. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. During the, the exciting times of the rollout of colour in newspapers. Whoa. Yeah. Right? So... Talk that, us through that, Faye. Well... So what, so what was your title? What, what did you get to do? I I went from, I guess, starting as a media assistant to a junior buyer to a, I guess, a senior media buyer at that stage, to an account manager. Whoa. Yeah, and I think my wage went from fifteen to twenty-two to forty thousand dollars. Holy shit! Yes, yeah. Wow. Plus car allowance, right? No wonder you were driving a BMW. Well, no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, well, you know, who's to blame? Bob Baddock. Because we had the Ford account for a number of years at, at DDB before they lost lost it through a global alignment to J. Walter Thompson, all of the cars in the car park downstairs in 615 St Kilda Road were, were Fords. So Paul Leeds had a, a, a Ford Fairlane with electric windows and, and Bob Baddock had... Uh, Four TX5. Was he allowed to have electric windows or not? Yes. Seen, not seen enough. No, no, no. Seen, no. Yeah. And velour seats. Of course. So that was the mid sized car. And when I got the job at, at, at Newsnet, I probably went out and got one. So A Ford? Yeah. Mm. Really? Yeah. The Ford, Ford TX5, I think they were. So that was mm. sort of mid sized car. Yeah. Anyway, Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch was just invested a billion dollars in the printing plant at Chalora up in New South Wales. Yeah. And the the colour printers, we are printing presses were rolling out. So we, we actually got to go up there and tour them and it was almost the beginning of some of these robotic mm. elements and it, it was streamlined, very clean and it was a massive step up, you know, from the printing presses, you know, in the bowels of HWT and the like. So the colour rolled out in Sydney and Melbourne when I was there. So the Herald Sun ended up at the Westgate, being printed out at Westgate Park there. And I got to see the sales site, you know, and, and felt what it, you know, was like to have a budget on your head. And, you know, saw, I guess, the pressures that salespeople found on the other side of the fence to dealing with buyers, you know, that controlled the budgets and... It was interesting to hear. Media buyers in those days were pretty even-tempered, reasonable people. So, 
Yeah, none much of them. Like today. Yeah, none of them had egos or vendettas yeah. or no, you know, sort much of, like today. Exactly. <laughs> you know, God status, you know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, and, and I spent a lot of time counselling, you know, you know, reps that say, such and such doesn't like me, you know, they, they just, they won't give me the time of day or, you know, the, the bare reason why they weren't on the schedule or, or the like. So I enjoyed my time at news, but I got bored pretty quickly because... You went from buying television and radio and newspapers and outdoor to oh, selling some, yeah, selling yeah. one product. One from Welcome everything. to my world. Thing. Yes, Welcome to my world. Yeah, sell sell those stickers in the stadium, man. Yes, yeah. Fair enough. And whilst you're working on fourteen different newspapers with fourteen different ad managers and and the like, I missed the cut and thrust of you know dealing with all the media and, and clients and, and having, you know, I guess, you know, working in, in a media agency. So fortuitously Mitchell's was one of my agencies and with Bob and Blatchy and co there, I, I was offered a job with Harold. I did. It was a funny interview because it was around the time where the authorities wanted to talk to Harold about his time with yeah, Christopher Scase and and uh, you know, Scase had just kicked down and you know, um, you know Scase is really Christopher Scase, no. one of the greatest shysters in Australian corporate history. <laughs> he was googling. Think of the greatest shyster you know, uh, AC Coiny. <laughs> put them absolutely put them to shame. Yeah. So, I had a clandestine meeting with Harold at the back of Cafe Sweethearts in Coventry Street. Yeah. And he, the interview went along the lines of, what would you like for breakfast, son? Thank you for making the time. I know that you're still working for, for my good friend, R Rupert. And I hear you're a sportsman. We don't have any many men that can play softball and we've got a softball team. <laughs> can you catch a ball and can you hit a ball? It's like, yes and yes. Mm. And I was pretty much signed up on the spot. Mm. So, was you did witness the grand final one year. We did. How old you know, raging tornado from memory. It was bucketing with rain. It was. We were slipping yeah. and sliding everywhere. Yeah. I was 23 at the time. So, how long have you been at News Group? So, 12 months. 12 months. Well, I literally I timed my entry and exit to the financial year, which was, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it made it easy for the accountant to do the tax return. I started at Mitchell's in July of 93 and they put me on the Mattel account working on Barbie which... Good fit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Working with a young girl by the name of Melanie McDonald and Mel was great because she was the backstop. She got Barbie, I didn't. Um, <laughs> Boy, is that face? Like, <laughs> you like every red-blooded Australian male, you probably grew up with Barbies. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd, I'd spent a, a fair amount of time in the period leading up to before I went to, to news buying kids' Saturday morning shows, which is predominantly mm. where you know, Mattel spent a lot of their budgets and, and Saturday Disney and Bunny Show, Cheese TV, all those, all those you know, morning 
and, and mid-afternoon shows were where we spent a lot of those funds. I reckon I lasted on Mattel oh, about 18 Eight minutes. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> so, so just on that, though, so you've gone, because one of the things I think we talk about is, you mentioned it already, salary. So you went from 22 to 40. Yeah. Right, it's a big jump across the fence, which is why a lot of people, I think, end up in reps as well. You know, they, Absolutely. Ch- they chase the money. Yes. And, and they don't care too much about yep. the rest of it. So, But Harold always paid well. So did he match your roughly? I mean, that's those yeah, numbers. He, yeah, but, no, no, no. He, he did. And he said, what else, what will bring you across? And Harold used to do company cars for, for his staff. And it was... I guess before the days of fringe benefits tax and, and the like. So, how old Fago is he? Predates FDT. <laughs> <laughs> but but what, one of the one of the conundrums Harold had was I think we had Unos as a client at the time, and Whoa. which was a subsidiary of Mazda. So Bletchy had a Unos, Stuart Mitchell had a V8. Ford Falcon Red Beast of a thing, and he Harold wanted to probably give me a, a second hand, yeah. like Blatchford's car or something like that. But I ended up Blatchford would have loved a Unos, I can yes, see. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up for parity, or not parity, but he said you can't. You've got to have a budget with your car, so I. I ended up getting a, a Hyundai Lantra, a white Larry the Lantra. So it was, and the only good thing about it was it had electric windows, I guess, and, and decent air conditioning. But it meant I could sell. Which was no small thing in those days, no, electric windows. No, no. So I ended up selling the, the Ford Telstar TX5 gear thing, um, which helped, I guess, go towards a deposit. So I was being remunerated well for a, a, a you know, young buyer in those days. I had a company car, you know, which meant that you got your insurance paid for, your petrol, etc. And I was still living at home. So the savings mounted up pretty quickly, which then allowed me to go and buy a house, funnily enough, just around the corner here in Black Rock. And so, your ham for Christmas, Harold's ham. Oh, a ham. Oh, I Sometimes two if you were quick. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> With your help, hand him out, get yeah, off the stairs. Exactly. Jonesy was always all over that role. Yeah. <laughs> but So I guess, you know, working working at Mitchell's, I, I was staff member 13 in the office then. And, uh, yeah, everything was green, teal. Yeah, Peter Hanabry in a in a, a big size cubicle, Colin Hinshelwood, Alan Quelsh, Robert Chard, Bob was there, Blatchford was there. Did I mention Colin Hinshelwood? Yes. And then Harold upstairs. Larry Garlic was there. And then Tanneth Condon. Jody Munro, Tanneth Condon. Yeah, Jody came in a little yeah, a bit later, I think. But yeah, and it was interesting because we were all the same age. We were all 22 or 23, 24, and we worked hard. And there was some pubs around the corner, which meant that you could play hard afterwards. Ooh. So I guess the irony was working at Mitchell's was in the years preceding that, there was a bar called the Star Bar just down on, was it Market Street 50? Oh, I wasn't too au fait with the layout of the pubs, but it was... 
it was about 280 metres north, north on Clarendon Street. Street. Yes. Starbucks, yeah. still there. Yes, yeah. Mm. But every Friday they would have entertainment there. So you would go generally for your eight-course meal. Oh, no, no. Starbucks or Intrepid Fox? Oh, it was both. The oh, they both had yeah, so, on so Intrepid Fox you would go to initially when we were at DDB and then you would race from the Intrepid Fox round to the Star Bar for the last performance at mm. the Star Bar. And then they actually moved They'd have it. bands and dances. It dances, great dancing. So <laughs> it was a renaissance of ballet. Yeah. What was the mixing of the reps? Were the reps coming in as well? Or was it more just media people? Oh, reps were, it was just a, a constant flow of reps coming in and out the door. Were they funding it? Oh, at um, these Friday lunches, yes. Yeah, yeah. Degustation. <laughs> Degustation. Yeah. And what was an eight-course lunch in those days? Seven, seven pots and a bag of chips, I think it was. So nourishment to get you through. Exactly. Yeah. Back to work for the last minute. Is that where Bob Baddock tore his hamstring? No, Bob actually tore his hamstring kicking the footy in the hallway. <laughs> and, and it was... I think Secure were clearly not very good at the, the time there, but they were they'd had a standout season and, and may have been sort of heading towards finals. But he yeah he tore, <laughs> and that was after a, a pretty good lunch around the corner at Centro Centro Cafe. Yeah, Centro. Yeah. yeah. You've glossed over the softball team. What was that actually? What, oh. was, what was Harold's interest in that? Well, winning. Yeah, winning. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Winning. So, of all sports, I'd never had him down for softball. I'm interested. In no, that. well, it, Rob, Simon Chard and somebody else used to spearhead this agency. It was Laurie Sumter. Laurie Sumter. And they played at Faulkner Park on a Thursday? Thursday evening. And it was all the agencies had the softball team. Yeah. And, you know, it was all fun and games. It was nice, good bit of mixing but we were there to win yeah i think stewart had a mate who could run 100 meters in about skinner skinner he could run he was might have been sub 10s i don't know yeah he could run he could run it in all he had to do was just hit it and he'd be first base like he teleported there so then he'd go oh yeah what does this bloke do at mitchell's tear sheeting fuck off <laughs> whatever <laughs> he can run 100 meters in about 10 seconds yeah, yeah. So he is, yeah, we used to put him up first and he'd get on base and then you'd, you'd build from there. Yeah. But Jody Morrow was pretty Jody handy. Jody was good. There's all tennis, Danielle. Yeah. And Swifty, what were you at this stage? Oh, you were at 97 when I got there, 1997. Yeah. I had the same question. Can you catch and throw? I'm like, yeah, right. Barry for Carlton. You're in. Yeah, well, yeah. If you barrack for Carlton, that was almost... Harold and Stuart, Matt. Yeah. Was, so they were like, right, you're in. But we, we saw enormous growth at that point in time. Oh, it just exploded. Yeah. I, I saw enormous growth too, Peter. <laughs> once on that side of the fact that the sales reps had expense accounts and the pubs sold Palmers. <laughs> oh, okay. You would have been 85, kilo 85 when, kilos when you walked that. in the door. Yeah. yeah. But then you, wet. Quickly, you, know, you quickly become accustomed to the finer things in life like pints, not pots. <laughs> Palmer's yeah, Palmer's not, not schnitzels yeah. not, <laughs> not nothing yeah. but we got 
we got paid fortnightly. Was it fortnightly or monthly? Monthly, on the 10th. Yes, that's right. And uh, those were the days. There was nothing untoward, but you didn't get pay slips. It was just, you knew the money was going into the account. And mm. I remember when I actually had to apply for a home loan, you know, Harold's brother-in-law, Bruce, was the... I know Bruce. Yes. Yeah, Bruce, yeah. Bruce was at Stadia. Yeah, totally champion. Yeah, he was a lovely man, yeah. yeah. Um, he... He was the man who was responsible for printing off the, the you know, I guess the pay slips or the proof yeah. of employment. But yeah, it, it come to think of it, I don't think I saw one. No, either. No. It, it wasn't until shit got real and, you know, Harold was going to float the company. certificates up. Yeah. It went into your bank account, Ruddy. They didn't just bring a shoebox full of money. <laughs> 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 the like it was legit. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't reckon. Well, it, yes, it was legit. Mm. You know, there was absolutely nothing untoward. But the one thing I found working for Harold was, particularly in those days where we were a lot smaller, was that he was genuinely invested in his staff. Mm. Took an interest in them. You know, if there was a tragedy, like we had a, a, a death in the family, uh, one, of, you know, uh, one of my cousins passed away suddenly, and he put me on a plane to Newcastle, you know, because you know, my parents couldn't travel at that point in time because my father was actually sick. So take as much time off as you need, do what you got to do. Yeah. And, and again, it was before you know, times of internet and connectivity, really. I mean, yeah, if you were lucky enough, you had a mobile phone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just go and do what you got to do. And then, yeah, I think there was a girl in the office who was stuck in a, a pretty tumultuous relationship and Harold, pretty much sent in the heavies, got her out of the situation, put her up, you know, in some accommodation, made sure that she was fine, you know. I'll and, give you an example, Ruddy, because we had, I joined when I was at 97. So about 1999 or 2000, there was a whole bunch of young people, people in their 20s, and they'd come from RMIT and all that. And Harold Twigged, they all had hex debts. Right, which is sort of how you paid for your university. University, right? So you'd have this hex debt that you'd accrue at uni and then you'd pay it back in the workforce. So we were sitting at this one day and we got an email. Everybody with a hex debt, when you get your hex statement from the tax office this year, bring it upstairs for payment. Unbelievable. And it paid everybody's hex debt. Yeah. You just had you handed it to Bruce and it was dealt with there and then. Yeah. Paid off the hex debts. I reckon still. I mean, even you know, and I finished just unbelievable the, things like that. Yeah, but he did know? that. He did that. You know, across the board. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. Stuart. You know, my first year, I'd only been there six months, and he said, "No, give him the full bonus because he's he's put the work in." And yeah, they were good like that. Mm -hmm. Really good. And I think everyone that works oh, in the Olympics. That. Oh yes, he bought two apartments, and every staff member went to the Olympics for four days. Yeah, yeah right. Everything. Absolutely. All and you got paid. per diems. Yes. But handed an envelope with $250 <laughs> in it or something. And the Piermont Bridge Hotel did very well out of Swifty. That is an institution. <laughs> but yeah, thing, things like that. And, and I mean, Harold yeah, makes no bones about it. He's written about it. You know, he had mm. some you know, financially challenging times yeah, early yeah, on yeah. In, yeah. in the piece, and he was able to work and trade his way out of that. And. Yeah. You know, he never sort of forgot where he came from. And, you know, he certainly was very successful, but was able to share some of those spoils 
people that helped him get there along the way. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I think, you know, it was Swift and you know, I was certainly part of that. And, you know, we worked hard, you know, um, and, and yeah, we worked hard, played hard, but we were, were remunerated and, and rewarded, you know, yeah. proportionally or accordingly. And if you look at the tenure of staff as well, you know, it just speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, we all stayed there. I mean, I was nine and a half years. Yeah. And by that point, Stuart and Harold had gone anyway. Yeah. So I think it changed a lot, didn't it? Oh, listen, I think we joked it was it was a bit like The Firm, you know, that John Grisham yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. book where, you know, you went in and, and you never... You Hotel know, California. Yeah, you never left. But no one ever left, because why would you? And it was growing so fast and no two days the same... And then if you had any issues, they'd get resolved. And yeah. I mean, with yeah. growth, you know, the, the, it came there came challenges. You know, Harold always prided himself on there was no politics, but you know there was always not always, but you know, as the the agency size grew above a hundred, you know, there was not factions, but you know, there was clearly you know challenges in managing staff culture and you know. I guess holding on to those core family values that, that he'd instilled. Yeah, I guess the fortunate thing was that he had a lot of those people with longer tenure, you know, to be able to help instill that. But you know, as you're bringing in new, new staff members, you know, from other agencies, that you know, they would bring their own sort of philosophies and, and cultures and, and and ideas along. So it became a bit of a melting pot, but. It was still the place to work at. You know, I don't think we ever really had too many challenges recruiting staff. You know, it became, it became a destination. It wasn't one where it was a you know a revolving door. You know, but if somebody came one day and said, oh, "I want to resign," is there is there a form or what do I do? I said, "I don't know. It's, it's never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> you just sort of work it till you yeah. retire." But it was interesting because I'd be walking around the other agencies. So the old Starcom, yeah. a lot of them selling stickers in stadiums, but they would always want to know what Harold was up to. They'd always be asking me. Yeah. And if anyone made a disparaging remark, say we stayed dead, I would say, oh, "Do you want me to pass that back?" And they'd be like, "Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no there's no need for that." There was genuine fear out there. Swifty. I've got some exciting news to kickstart our first series of Media Life. What's that, Ruddy? We've got a sponsor, SportsXGlobal.com. SportsXGlobal.com? SportsXGlobal.com, the place for sports commerce, an online platform that enables sellers such as codes, clubs, stadiums to showcase their assets to buyers, be brands and their busy media agency executives, a bit like yourself, to see what's available. And if not now, when in the future, is that prize Carlton shirt, say, available? Go Blues. You can download the club's media kit and if you want, click on contact rights holder button and email the commercial manager of the club directly requesting the information you require. No more nagging reps beating down your doors at the wrong time of year. And it's global, so rights holders get more brands looking at their assets. As a seasoned media buyer of 30-some years, Swifty, what do you think of that? Oh, that sounds fantastic, Ruddy. But as always, what's the price? Well... Through Media Life, if they sign up now, they get 12 months free access. Free access? I'm on the website right now. Sportsexglobal.com. Sportsexglobal.com. You, 
you know, the, you move from the 90s to the 2000s pretty quickly and, you know, Image launched and, you know, that was the spectacular dot-com. Was that, yeah, was that Lee, Lee Stevens? Was that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, Lee Stevens was one of the many. There was Jeanette Kendall, you know, who's now sits on a number of boards you know, around mm. Melbourne and Australia. She was a very successful businesswoman in her own right. And then we saw Harold start to build his empire of the mm. communication group. And I think that's where, as the media buyers, we were still custodians of the budgets, but then you, know, you had to feed the family, so to speak. You know, the stadium media was acquired from Boyer, I guess, I think. And then, you know, there was Spark Communications. Spark yeah, 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 Spark yeah, right. yeah. say, with Richard Chapman. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, a top bloke. Ch- yeah. Richard Chapman should get an yeah. 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 yeah, and again, there's some great people who come through Haystack. Haystack. Yeah, Haystack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, AC was involved in a lot of those purchases. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, the brilliant yeah. mind. Yeah, so, and I think, you know, Swifty, we were on a plane when we got off at Darwin and the, but, uh, oh. and the Black, Blackberries were pinging and, uh, yeah, we'd been sold to Aegis. Yeah, that's just right. We literally got on the plane as Mitchell and Partners people. And by the time we'd landed, it had broken, and people were like, well, welcome to Aegis. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Turn your phone on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went oh, up to yeah, there. We were in there to celebrate. He'd rather be bought than rented. So did we celebrate or commiserate with uh, four days of just being on the piss in Darwin? That was. Yeah. No, we drank a lot of mojitos. We drank the <laughs> casino out of mint. We drank so many mojitos. Mint and lines. They had to go to Safeway and get more lines. <laughs> <laughs> we worked. <laughs> what an yeah. achievement. So, so that was 2008, I reckon. 2008, 2009. In 2012, Densu bought us, and that was probably the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end, because that's when you had oversight of costs and books and things. Yeah. And, and I was made redundant. I was the first casualty. What year was that? 2012. Was that? November. It was like October. I, I think it was it was awkward for everyone. It was for me. It was out of the blue. Is that you were running ANZ? Yeah, I, I think I, they were they were in the process of leaving. Yeah, and I think it was the first time ever that someone had got their pen out and gone right. No more natural attrition. And then you you left, and then I think Jody left. Yeah. Not long after. Yeah. So, uh, listen, it's fair to say, and, and you know, being the first casualty of, of the acquisition, you know, I guess, you know, I, I've had 11 years to, to think about it now and process it, but you go from working for a company, f- you know, for, you know, 18, 19 years to being told you're no longer required. And there was a reason, and, you know, the, there was Sean, a, Sean Briggs was general manager. Mm, no, uh, he came in after. He, came up, he, after then, he was young. Yes. Well, he's still younger than us. <laughs> he was young. But then one of the first things he had to do as general manager was axe. How many people? Yeah, Skashi was, was a largish number yeah. of people. Yeah, Skashi yeah. was tasked with, with, you know, my redundancy. In, yeah. And was uh, Littlefield running the show? Yes, he was, yes. Yeah. But there was such awkwardness that there mm. was, you know there wasn't a farewell there you know and, and swifty and i 
joked probably eight years before we stopped contributing to people's farewell gifts uh, because uh, I used to say, if you haven't been here five years, I'm not contributing. Yeah. And then I used to say, I'll give you a dollar for every year you've been here. Here's 50 cents. Yeah. Because the whole media, when digital came in, there was all these new jobs and it was exciting. You know, it was the new thing and people were bailing out of, you know, the TV, press, radio, and they were, I want to go do something exciting. And so they'd come in through the front door and then they'd be out over to Image or they'd go to Yahoo or yeah. whoever was starting up at the time because you could work at the Mitchell Communication Group or you could go to a place that had foosballs tables <laughs> and a beer fridge. That's true. I know you've got a beer fridge here. Yeah, so it's, go it's, a, it's a great... In your office. Yeah, it's early stuff. And it grew. It just went boom. Like, we had to actually build a five-storey building to put everybody in. Yeah. And now they're in that... Hole in the wall in Richmond. No. They've got a whole floor. Two floors, yeah. But what's interesting about that, I wonder, is... Do you remember when Dentsu were then making shouts about buying Aegis? Harold was the one that said, come on, you could, you could do a bit better. And then, because he wanted to resell his company, didn't he sell that story about he sold it five times or something? Yes. Once, yeah. once to himself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you think, therefore, the management in Aegis, because I know they, they pretty, pretty much tried to kick Harold off the board, didn't they? And he didn't have the, do you think they, they thought, we'll get in there and find out who the who the people are, Harold's people, and we'll get rid of them, hence, hence your... Yeah, I, I, I mean, there, there's probably another layer before me, you know, but... I kind of like, knew they were going anyway, you, yeah. you scashies and that, in 2013, 2014, they were, those boys. they were kind of retiring yeah. anyway. Listen, you know... You know I, so there was, no, there was no need to push yeah. them. Yeah. But what, what it did was it allowed me to exit... Not on my terms, but, you know, exit the business. But go and start my own business. And, you know, there have been a couple of guys try to do that maybe five or six years before that being Blatchford, Nolan and Mel Dale. And Harold made it his lifelong mission to see that, that business not get up and run. So whilst he was distracted counting his money and, you know, he just thought Dentsu couldn't really give a hoot. I set up a, a media buying agency, which was certainly very small. You know, yeah. I took on a business partner and yeah, it's that classic case of- um, Is that Matt Bell? Yeah. Um, for a while. Yeah, well, uh, not Matt Bell, Matt Kelly. Matt Kelly. Matty oh, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Matt yeah, Matt, Matt, Matty yeah. Bell, I think it. Footy Club. Yeah, no, Matt Kelly came and worked with us for a little bit. He did. He, he did. Yes. Yeah. He used yeah. the trots, I think. Yes. Yeah. He loved all, yeah. all forms of racing. But he worked with us for about five years and then I, I bought his share of the business out. But, you know, the, the interesting days were, um, of course, I wasn't allowed to contact or communicate with any of the Mitchell's clients. Fortunately, a couple of them knocked on my door in the early early stages and, and I would send them back to Mitchell's only for them to say no one would answer their calls. So then they became my clients and we were able to grow the business slowly but surely, you know, and you know, 11 years down the track, we've got Media Republic and... I want to come on to that, Fags, but just, just you mentioned you've had 11 years to reflect on it and I think we cut you off somehow, but yeah. did you, what, what's your... 
What's your reflection of it? I listen. I think you know redundancies are, are more common than not these days. But for my mates and peers, we were all loyal employees, and you know we, we'd spent over a decade, in some instances, you know, twenty years or close to being really loyal, and when when that time comes and you're made, made redundant, it's generally done pretty quickly and not really professionally, you know, and you know, I guess HR would argue otherwise, but you're left vulnerable, you know, in, in many ways that you, you, you're regimented. You know, we were trained or ingrained in being dressed in a suit wearing a collar and tie you know i remember the days when you know casual meant you could take your tie off on a friday not that i ever did yeah yeah <laughs> but you had to be at your desk you know by a certain time yeah the, i guess there was more flexibility around your lunching hours as, as you know your seniority grew um or your disrespective management grew but uh either or but um or disregard i should say but we work long hours, you know, and you're going to events like the footy on a Thursday, Friday nights or on the weekends weren't seen as a chore or as, you know, mandatory work. You went because you enjoyed the client's company or the company of the media that you're going to. But when that comes to a sudden stop, yeah, you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, we're... I should be here, I should be there. And even I, when I finished at, at Mitchell's, because it was Mitchell's when I finished, it wasn't officially Denson, and I was sitting at my desk, you know, my you know, fledging business, I still felt compelled to be there at a certain time. I still felt compelled to work until six o'clock, even though it was my business and I could do whatever I wanted whatever, you know, and be wherever I wanted. But... Yeah, you, it does take a long time to break those shackles and the mindset. And, you know, Swifty, you know, when, when you finished up, we had some, some good long chats, you know, yeah. there's, you know, Pekka, you know, Mark McRae. There's a lot of people out there that have, have finished their stint at a, a company pretty damn quickly. Tim Murphy more recently, you know, after 17 years at O, a lot of processing to be done. And, you know, it's it's not a change that you can get over, you know, overnight. You know, in some instances, there's probably animosity towards, you know, the, the organisation. I I probably look back more fondly on, on the, the times that I spent there and, and the laughs and the, the success, you know, from the business perspective and the clients that you worked on. So... It's yeah, my, my career of 30 years has been a hell of a lot of fun, you know, a lot of hard work. But being a competitive person, you like to, to you know, be successful. You cop your losses along the way and you take your learnings from them. But, yeah, and the, and the learnings from, you know, your redundancy is that, you know, nothing lasts forever, you know, and, and you cherish... The, the time that you work with those people, you know, because it, it, you'd all turn up to work and we, we all had the same 
I guess, focus and, and mission, which was to do really good work for our clients and be successful. You know, at the end of the day, Harold, you know, built a successful business by having, you know, successful people around him and, and you know, competitive people. Yeah, and that wasn't just the media side of the business, it was the stadium medias and, and all of the businesses that he acquired. He saw growth opportunities in those. So, you know, I think redundancy is more of a normal, you know, a normal, normal practice these days, you know, and it's a, a means for organisations to, you know, sort of improve their bottom lines. But there is a, a collateral damage, you know, on, on the employees. So I'm probably more aware of that. You know, you know we're a middle-aged, you know, white male and, you know... So say male, stale, grey male and stale. Yeah. That's what the 50 yeah. boys get, isn't it? I, yeah. I hear that through everyone we talk yeah. to. And yeah, I think it's, it, it should be addressed. Yeah. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time today talking about Mitchells, but the Harold's... Harold's strength was having some of those type of men working for it, you know, and the, I want to say men, people, you know, the, the became you know, a gender, you know, a quality-based business as time went on. But to have the likes of a, a Bob Baddock, a Robert Chard, a Colin Hinchwood, you know, later on an Alan Scash, and a John Alderton. They were all very, very senior media men within other agencies, Harold's competitors, and he actually bought them in and it didn't wipe out the competition, but it just meant that those guys could potentially bring more clients on board. But in uncertain you know, economic times, those guys were able to you know, convey the experience because they'd been through recessionary times and well, good times and bad and we were able to learn how to manage clients and their concerns you know through the GFC you know and there were there were times when budgets were being cut clients you know was, clients went bust but those wise heads were able to navigate you know I guess the trials and tribulations within the business, but also then provide our clients with um, confidence to be able to stick the course and and be able to you know either hold their investments, halve them, or double down and, and and grow their business accordingly. So I found that you know when you look back and reflect on you know the, as we get older. You know, we've still got a lot more to give. You know, I'm fortunate because I run my own business and I'm the master of, you know, our destiny. But, you know, when you're employing staff, you've got to look for that balance of experience and youthfulness. And, and yeah, as, as we continue to grow, we'll continue to sort of work that balance, you know, of, of having some experienced heads, but also bringing in the, the ones that can, you know, give us that, youthful insight into the, the new digital, you know, digital and media landscape. And the way it's changing, I mean, that's something that we've touched on, isn't mm. it, Nick? But, you know, that's coming out, is, you know, how, how are you finding the, the new world of media? But just before you do that, though, I was going to say, Harold um, was always very proud of the fact that they were number one, wasn't he, in uh, ad news? You know, yes. Yeah. It, 
for for a period there, he couldn't give a stuff, could not give a flying mm. hoot, and then publicity and PR became really important too. Yeah, and I think in today's day and age, if you're not writing a piece in LinkedIn, or an opinion piece, or if you're not doing it in an interview, you know, for Media Week or Ad News or one of the others, then you're not part of the industry. And it's that's probably one of the, the difficult things I find is because Harold shunned that mm. limelight for such a period of time, even being part of the MFA. You know, just didn't want a bar of it. Yeah, I, I never understood why he yeah. just he just kind of never did, yeah. and that's why I, I'm leaning very heavily into the IMAA, and I'm on the board of the IMAA because I want my staff to be able to enjoy the benefits of additional training opportunities. Yeah, the IMAA are providing you know great leadership insights and and forward thinking for agency principals. And you know, it, it's it's something that I I never got to benefit, you know, through working, you know, for you know a big organisation for an extended period of time because yeah, Harold didn't believe in that. So you know, I think you take the learnings, good and the bad, from you know the people that you've worked with, and that was probably one of the things that you call it disappointing you know, was that Harold was probably anti-establishment and that, that was the bona fide independent nature of, of Harold's mindset. You know, we were, you know, the Australia's largest independent agency. Is um, the original disruptor. Yeah. And, and you know what? He completely great, put the table on it. Yeah, it was a great mantle to, to have and to hold. Yeah, and we all leaned into it. Absolutely, you know, and again, getting back to that competitiveness, being number one, being, you know, having the biggest TV budgets, you know, winning business, being successful in, you know, pitches or, or you know, having conversations with the clients, which just, you know, led to them, you know, joining the, the fold. Yeah, I think once Harold sort of saw the, the trade press, you know, become an option to increase his presence. It was a good thing. I, I never forget when we were pitching for the government business. Oh, we, which which one and which time? Well, the federal government business to win it back. The first time we 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 put up on oh, late nineties, nineties, eight or ninety nine. Yeah, but we put up billboards in the right at uh, the airport in the airports yeah. to capture senior decision makers. Entering and exit, exiting the airports in Sydney. And Somebody had that photo a couple of years ago and they sent it to me. And it was an amazing photograph. It was literally a who's who of the media industry at that time yeah. in these two, but one of the Sydney office and Melbourne office, and they merged them together. And it was literally Harold, Fagan, Blatchford, Batty, Alderton, Chard, Candice Cole. Fuck, it just went on and on yeah. this list of people. And you look at this photo and go, wow. You had everybody. Yeah. I think if you go way, way back, he was almost, you know, like the Ron Barassi in the modern day. It was, he was like the Alistair Clarks. And, you know, if you look at his lieutenants that have gone on to bigger and better things or, or bigger things, you know, those names that Swifties just sort of read out, we've all gone on and been successful, you know, after, 
spending a lot of time learning our and honing our craft at Mitchell's. There's very few that have deviated and and, and gone for a complete tree change. You know, we're, we're all still involved in the industry, be it working at another organisation, setting up our own shop or working on the client side or even, you know, the handful that are working in the media side. You know, Briggs is now senior client at, at yeah. Specsavers. Yep. Yeah. Duggo's running Stratosphere. Stratosphere. Yeah. Swifty's got his own Swifty Swifty Media. Swiftymedia.com.au. Yep. <laughs> Which yeah. does actually segue brilliantly into yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, just... Matt. Sorry for speaking you while you're interrupting. Swiftymedia.com.au. Get Swifty to do it. I feel a bit bad saying that because we're in Fago's office. But yeah. no, well, fuck him. It's, it's a good <laughs> segue. He, he's got enough. It's a good he, segue. He's doing well enough to buy him a Kona. So, you know. <laughs> but, so, well, you never use my coffee machine. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're in charge, buddy. I don't know about that. But so anyway, these fabulous offices you've got. So what, what, what's... What, yeah. what are we up to now? Well, How many staff have you got? Uh, we've got a dozen staff. Wow. We're in these beautiful offices in Black Rock, which we moved into a couple of months ago. So uh, Over the bay? Yeah. See, look, it looks beautiful today. Not yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we're literally 50 metres from the water, but we made the decision to move out of town as opposed to you know, stay in South Melbourne or... You migrate across to Cremorne into the, the gridlock there. But uh, I think in this post-COVID world, making it easy for staff to come to work, you know, it was a, a real consideration of us sort of setting up shop here in Black Rock. So Media Republic's now 11 years old after being founded in, in you know, 2012. And as I said, we, we've grown you know, from no clients to, to having... You know, a good 45, 50 clients. Oh, wow. And, yeah, working on some really good brands across a diverse, I guess, range of categories from aged care to banking and finance, insurance, trade, you know, the clients like, you know, Poslow and IMR Insurance and Adventure Park in Adventure Geelong. Park, One yourself. of his first clients. You're welcome, Fogo. Yes, thank you. The, the, <laughs> the mayor of Geelong tend us in, in, into that business. And, and I've got to say, it's one of my favourite clients because you know, we get down there and, and can ride ride the slides. You rent the cabana? Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's, it's brilliant because a lot of our clients have grown, we've grown with them. So our, our care, it's a one of Australia's largest privately owned aged care businesses. Uh, I think they had six residencies when we started working with them in in 2012, and then out to 65 residencies. Qantas baggage carousel out of home. Yes. Backlit. Yep. Saw that. But yeah, so they've got over 4,000 beds, which they need constantly occupied. So they've grown, and as we've grown alongside them, Adventure Park, as Swifty mentioned, you know, it was they had the the single water slide, the aqua racer, and now they've got you know uh, three massive giant I've water trauma, slides. I've trauma from the cyclometer and the, <laughs> the tsunami. Genuinely <laughs> frightening. Is this the one across the road from the cider? Yes. Yes. I knew you'd know the brewery. Yes, the yeah. white rabbit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was quite a funny conversation because Kate, yeah. Kate had met with the guy, and she said, "Oh." get Nick's opinion and another agency had gone to see him 
and it was like you're already up and running you've been around for a few years you've got clients and Fago had literally just started and I said look they're alright that's good but these guys Steve Fagans you man anyway and then Scassi found out and he said why didn't you fucking get it as a client for Mitchell's I'm like go on Alan you can't you can't just have everything mate <laughs> I think we had three governments and four car companies and two mobile phone things I'm like fuck mate and in terms of how did you manage through COVID? Was that was that a tough period? Oh, think yeah, massively tough. Yeah. yeah, because you talk about aged care and you talk about travelling tourism. Yeah. You know, client like the MCG and the Australian Sports Museum. The Australian Sports Museum had literally just invested shy of thirty million dollars in refurbishing and everything was touch screen and interactive and, and the like and they launched uh in late february of of 2020 and we had a quite a significant campaign to to promote it and drive you know, attendance through international media and through local media and we're busy cancelling it so um clients like skybus we had to cancel you know, entire airport campaigns so we were significantly impacted um, we had a couple of clients that we were able to um, work on throughout COVID and, and, and they were resistant to that. But, you know, JobKeeper kept us afloat for probably six six to seven months. And then we came off court life support and then we flourished ever since. You know, the, the, the growth coming back out of COVID has been exceptional. You know, we went from five staff to 12 clients and billings have grown so yeah we've been i wouldn't call it beneficiaries of it but we survived in palatial offices oh, in yeah. the heartland <laughs> terms of keeping stuff, district here in, Blackrock. in terms of keeping stuff coming in like coming up obviously off the back of covid we've seen a lot of pe people working from home now yep do you do they work at because you mentioned you've chosen that to come out of the city into here yep. do, you, do they do three days a week or the, they're in five they're in five are they yeah yeah. All right. So the younger ones want to be around the the older staff so they can learn, you know, and the older the older staff recognise that they need to be here in order to impart that knowledge. We call it knowledge transfer, and if they're not about, then they're not listening to the conversations or right. learning firsthand. Yeah, which. For us, sitting around the table here, you know, we're all nodding in agreement going, that's common sense, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was a period there where, you know, the, the idea of sitting in, you know, your bedroom in your Udi and, you know, having days of the lives on in the background or listening to a podcast or, you know, watching something on Netflix whilst you're, you know, sort of doing some work in the background. Those days are moving pretty, you know, for us, they've stopped. Yeah, and you know, setting up a team's call to ask a question that's, that was just ridiculous. Yeah, so common sense has prevailed for us, and we're seeing better quality work. Our staff learning, our juniors learning faster. You know than what the average is these days, and um, you know they're enjoying the interactivity. 
which mm. which is great. And, and we've set up the office here so that we've got the work side, we've call it got the breakout side, which is a bit like a lounge room and yeah, big ass TV, and they can yeah. play PS Five. They can sit around a table. There's a bar fridge there that they can you know go and get a drink or a soft drink out of. So that was the I guess the mindset behind this office and. We don't have a foosball table, but, um, you know, we'll get early, there. Early days. Yeah, it's early days. Yeah, I've got a couch for sleeping on, though, so it's, <laughs> it's not a leather one that, that can be wiped down, but it is a big, big couch. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a great place. You know, it's probably a bit of a, a trek from Mountainside Wines, you know, on the other side of Melbourne. and We're really proud of where we are, you know, where we're at right now. Yeah, brilliant place, yeah. We hope so, to continue to grow a little bit. Yeah, awesome. yeah well, congratulations and great impressive. Swift, did you want to say anything? No, it is impressive. And one funny story, I'm reliably informed. So Fago was the first in the wave of redundancies from Mitchell's and he went down to the bank to speak to the bank about setting up accounts and all this sort of stuff as you do. And they'd gone away from private offices. They had little cubicles. And in the cubicle <laughs> next to Fago was Rod Lampley, <laughs> Harold's lawyer. <laughs> and he said, I don't know who felt more awkward, me or Baker. <laughs> like, hello, Rod, what are you doing here? Hmm, what are you doing? <laughs> he was telling me that and I went, oh, that would have been one of those, oh, you know, those moments you're like, I'd rather be anywhere else right now. But probably for both. Yeah. yeah it but it's worked out all right, folks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in palatial offices in the city. I think yeah. you've helped him get to those. <laughs> <laughs> I've given you a client. I've given him several large cases. <laughs> Do you remember that? Whenever I was a bit from Sydney in South Melbourne and you'd go into a pub, Rod would be sitting in one of the corners and you'd be like, oh. Yeah. Go and say hello to him all night, and then he was always really nice. So, mm. and if you had to find someone, you had to go and fetch him. And... Yes, yeah, I was. He was a, guy, a good guy. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a funny time with Rod in the in the bank there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't yeah. call that. You know, I'll put all my business with you, so you should be my client because I didn't have fifty million to put in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do now. <laughs> Look at the John. It's bigger than my house. There you go. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for Thank You Densu to come across the bay. And <laughs> I could take us I fishing. Could, I could just, but you've got to get, yeah. uh, you've got to guarantee the the weather. Yeah. I yeah. need a couple of jerry cans to probably get home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it could get here. Getting home, might we might struggle. Oh well. Yeah. Thanks, Fago. Thank you. Magic. Thanks for the Thank opportunity. You. Yeah. Yeah. No, no worries. Swifty, wouldn't it be wonderful to get a diverse range of media people on our podcast to share their stories? Whether you've been in the industry for a short or long period of time, what do you think, Swifty? I totally agree, my friend. A great range of perspectives is always valued, and anyone with a great story is welcome, and that's pretty much everyone in this game. Yeah, agreed. So if you're interested in coming on the podcast, I'll use the sponsor's email address they've given me, which is matt.rudd at sportsxglobal.com. Drop us your name and number and we'll contact you and set up a time. Thanks for listening. Till next week, it's goodbye from me. And thank you and goodbye.